Good afternoon. For those of you who are new, um, I'm not Pastor Rennie. Just want to say that uh, Pastor Rennie has hair. But I'm happy to be here this afternoon to share with you what the Lord has put in my heart. Um, I believe that uh, this is an exciting message that should touch all of us. The last time I shared with you, I spoke about some of the incredible blessings that come from forgiving people. And I shared from my personal experiences how the Lord basically fights your battles for you when you forgive people. When you don't try to fight the battle yourself, how the Lord steps in and takes what is meant for your destruction and turns that into a blessing. And today, I'm excited to basically continue in that thread, except this time around, I want to go take the antecedent to, to forgiveness. There is an antecedent to forgiveness, and that is repentance and asking for forgiveness. So, would you bow with me this morning as we pray for the Lord to come and take over this service and bring his message for to your people. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that you've laid in our hearts this morning. We pray, Father God Almighty, that you bring it forth. And I pray, Father God, that the words will fall on our hearts this morning. That people will receive your word. That it will challenge us. That it will inspire us. It will encourage us. But above all, it will bring us closer to you. And Father, may everything we do for the rest of this service bring glory to your name. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to the book of Luke? And by the way, I said I'm not pastor anyway. I didn't tell you who I was. I'm going to wait till the very end. No, my name is Ejike Eze, for those who do not know me. Um, we're going to read from Luke, Luke 15, verses 11 to 31. Luke 15, 11 to 31. The Bible says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of your estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered this wealth in wide living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm, not, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, 
Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. How many of you, when you have read this story, because I know you have read this story. This is not a new story. Everybody's familiar with the prodigal son. But when you read this story for the first time, how many of you thought, what a selfish, self-centered, egotistical, insensitive guy? Just me? Okay. But how many of you thought that insensitive, egotistical, self-centered guy is me and is you? We are who the Lord is talking about here. You may ask yourself the question, what did this guy did that was so bad? This second younger son, what did he do that was so bad? He asked for his inheritance, right? It was supposed to be his inheritance anyway. He wanted it up front. You go to the bank sometimes, you want some, they'll give you money up front, right? With a catch, of course. It doesn't sound so bad when you are reading it for the first time on face value. But if you're familiar with the Jewish tradition, and those of you from Africa will appreciate this, you will have an idea of how bad what he did was. First of all, where I come from, and this was the same in the Jewish tradition of old, inheritance is handed down from generation to generation, and they never leave the family. Ancestral land and most of the inheritance at the time was really land and property on the land. Ancestral land is handed over down to the sons. The Jewish tradition is patrilineal, so it's handed over to the son, and the son hands it over to his son, and it goes on down from generation to generation. It is a taboo. It is unheard of. A major sin for you to actually sell that land outside of the family. If you're from Africa, you know what I'm talking about. Even if you were to sell your land for whatever the reason is, you're, you're, you've hit, you're falling on hard times or something is happening, you, you first try to use that land as collateral to borrow money to keep it in the family. But if you absolutely have to sell it, you will sell it to somebody else in the family. You never, never sell it to an outsider. And I'm not talking about the, the properties you have in the cities. I read this story and it hit me because I'm in exactly the same type of situation as, the, as this, this family. I have a brother, one brother, and I'm an elder son. So in the Jewish tradition, the elder son will get two-thirds. We get twice what the younger son is going to get. So in this particular case, this person would have gotten two-thirds. There is no circumstance under which the ancestral property that's been handed down to us by my father 
where I would sell that outside of the family. It would never happen. If you did that, you have basically desecrated the memory of your ancestors. So if you're, if you're born in America, you would not appreciate this. Because I, 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 when we got here, we went to, to Quincy. We lived there for a while. And we moved to Holbrook. We bought a home. And we lived there. And when we're tired for, of, of the place, we would pick up and we'd go somewhere else. we buy another home and we live there. There's really no attachment in that sense. So it's, it's hard for people to understand it if, if you don't have that kind of background in your culture. So, so this elder son, this, this younger son, has done something that was unexpected, unheard of. And he sold all this property and then he took off and went away and basically started living his life and wasting all of that. If you read the book of Numbers, Numbers 27, 9, it tells you a little bit about the Jewish tradition and, and how this happens. It says, if a man dies and leaves no son, give his inheritance to his daughter. If he has no daughter, give the inheritance to the brothers. So he stays in the family, keeps running in the family. So this was a major travesty for this young man to do what he did. But the second thing that he did, and this is the one that you would all appreciate, is this guy asked his father to give him his share of the property while the father is still alive. He didn't care if the father needed that for his own sustenance. He was basically saying to the father, you're not dying soon enough. Come on. What are you still doing around here? Give me my stuff. I got to go. How insensitive can that be? So this, this is not behavior that is expected. This is, this is really terrible behavior. So how is it then that this son who has desecrated the memory of his, basically his, his ancestors by ceding what, is, what belongs to the family elsewhere, this son who has insulted his father by saying, give me what is mine now, would walk back and the father sees him and runs after him, throws his hand around him and fireworks are going up everywhere. Maybe not fireworks, but and it was like nothing happened. He welcomed him back. What kind of love is that? Does that begin to give you a sense of the love of a father? for the child. And this is a mere mortal. This is a human being who is wicked. The Bible says that we are wicked. How much then our Father who is in heaven? Because this is exactly what we do every day. We separate ourselves from God and we walk away and we go and enslave ourselves. The Bible says that this young man went and basically hired himself out to a citizen of another country. And he became a slave. This was somebody who was, you know, basically living in, in, in wealth. But he separated himself from the father and went to become a slave somewhere else. And things got so bad that he wanted to eat pig's food. Even the homeless here would not eat pig's food. 
Even the poorest of the poor. I'm from Africa. We have to save up to be poor. But we don't eat pig's food. But it was so bad that he wanted to eat pig's food. And even that wasn't given to him. Even that was denied him. Does that begin to give you a sense of what happens when you separate yourself from the love of God? When you walk away from the Father? I don't know how many of us would be willing to do what the Father did. If, if your son were to do that and, and, and waste all of that wealth and it comes back, how many people would say, all right, maybe I'll take you back, but I've got to nurse this grudge a little bit. You know, I have a little bit of anger here. I'm going to take some time to nurse it before I speak to you again. How many people will say, will say well, you, have you learned your lesson? The father did none of that. He put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet, and he threw a party for him. The reason this passage is critical, I, I love this passage. I love it. And the reason I find it critical is it just tells us that no matter what we have done, and no matter how bad it is, all we need to do is walk back to the Lord. That's all we need to do is walk back to the Lord. One of the things I enjoy a lot when I, with my kids is I tell them stories about my, my background. My kids were all born here, so I tell them stories about Nigeria, folk stories. And, and when, when I tell them that story, I tell them to tell me the moral of the story. What have you learned from that story? And it's incredible what they say sometimes. And, and, and it, 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 that's how I learned that we don't live in the same world. We don't. I remember one time I, I told them a story that I was told as a kid, and, and I know how, what I was taught with that story. It was, it was a story of a man who, um, who went and stole um, um, a ram. He stole a ram. This was a guy, he didn't have any money, and he was, he, he was basically a selfish person. He didn't, he didn't work, he, didn't, he was lazy. But he wanted meat, so he stole somebody's ram. And brought a ram home, and he had a son. So he, he killed a ram, and he, he cut it, and, and they were getting it ready in the, in the backyard. The son was helping him. And while they were working on it, he, they heard a knock on the door. So he told the son to continue with what he was doing, and he cleaned up and went to answer the door. And when he got to the door, it was the owners of the ram looking for the ram. They said, sir, we are looking for a ram. Have you seen it? And he said, no, no, I haven't. I haven't been outside at all. I've been home all day. And they said, okay, well, if you do find, you know, see it around anywhere, would you let us know? And just as they were finishing up and, and getting ready to leave, the son comes in and says, Papa, Papa, the head of the ram doesn't fit in the pot. <laughs> and everybody knew that this guy didn't have a ram. So the owners of the ram knew right away that this was their ram that this guy was getting ready to have lunch with. And so, you know, the, the punishment for that kind of thing is you got to pay for what you have done, for, for what you've stolen. And the water things that the villagers will do to you. So what did the father do? He took the son and he gave it to them and said, this is an exchange for your ram. 
So when I was told that story as a child, the moral of the story is not what my kids thought the moral of the story was. When I was told that story, they were using it to teach us that as a child, number one, you have to have discretion. Number two, you don't go interrupting elders when they're talking. Because you, you could get into hot waters, right? But when I asked my children what the moral of the story was, they didn't think any of that. One of them said, well, you should not steal. I said, yes, I agree. What else? And then I think one of them said that the father was a fool or something like that. So they answered all kinds of things. And I said, but, but what about the son? And they like, yes, what about him? They didn't think he did anything wrong. Totally different world. So when you read about the, the story of the prodigal son, people have different interpretations of that. People have all sorts of different interpretations. So there are people who will think, well, the elder son was justified in, in being angry and all that, and the father was a fool in welcoming him back. And also, but, but, but there are things that this story teaches us. There are some really important things that this story teaches us. The first one, I actually told my kids to read this story. As part of our, our devotion, I had them read the story, and they gave me some really interesting uh, um, feedback as well as the moral of the story. But I'm gonna, I'll share with you what Michael wrote because I found his to be really, really on point. So Michael said to me that the moral of the story is it is very important to God that we repent and ask for forgiveness. Before we repent, he considers us dead. But as soon as we seek forgiveness, we come back to life. And I'm like, son, you nailed it. I think he nailed it. When we sin, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And we do sin. If you're here and you're, you think you don't, you're not sinning, I can then tell you that you're sinning right now because you're deceiving yourself and you're lying to yourself. But the Lord is always there. He is waiting to welcome us back. Notice that the father never went anywhere. The, elder, the, the, the father was there all this while. All we need to do is repent and come back to our father. That's all we need to do. And everywhere you go in the Bible, there are all sorts of quotations about, about repentance. Luke 5.32 uh, says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's our Lord's mission, to call sinners to repentance. Luke 3.3 3 says, he went into the country and around Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. It's almost as if John's entire life really was calling people's attention to the need for them to repent. The Bible said it was the voice in the wilderness crying out and saying, repent, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repentance is critical. We cannot go through life without understanding that we need to build down on our knees from time to time and cry out to the Lord to take us back. It is, it is foundational. You can't, you can't do without that. 
part of what this story teaches us, it says, it shows us the depths of our own misuse of freedom. God gave us a free will. You know, you know, when this guy said to the, to, fa- to the father, give me my portion, let me go. The father didn't stop him. Notice that. The father could have said, no, I'm not giving you anything. He's not dead yet. He has every right to say, do that. But he gave it to him. This, this symbolizes God's, the freedom that God has given to us, the free will that God has given to us. The other thing is, if you are bent on leaving God, things will go badly for you. You'll be humiliated. But at the end of the day, the worst of it all is you may end up, you may end up spending eternity in hellfire. We cannot afford to separate ourselves from God. And when we do that, we need to repent and come right back. Because he's there to welcome us back. And the other thing is that the further we get from the Father's love, the further away you get from the Father's love, the worse of you will be. And that's just the truth. So, knowing all of this, what is it then that's preventing us from crying out to God and saying, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Please forgive me. Why do we find it difficult to do that? And even in our own lives as human beings, even in our own relationship, why do we find it difficult to apologize and say, I am sorry, please forgive me. Families are torn apart because people will not acknowledge what they've done and ask for forgiveness. What is it that's preventing us from doing that? The first one is the love of sin. Whether you like it or not, sin can be addictive. And people who are addicted to sin don't want to give that up. Ask somebody who is into pornography. Ask people who are into prostitution. Ask people who are into all manner of sin. They they, they enjoy it. They find it difficult to give it up. So that's one of the things that prevent people from saying, I have sinned. Forgive me. Pride. Pride. Everybody has some pride in them. Most people would rather die than say to somebody, I am sorry. And it's amazing how somebody would be prideful with God as well. He already knows you did it. So why? Pride. Foolish pride is what I call it. The other one is fear. This one is even worse in human relationship. Most people will not go to somebody and say, I am sorry for what I've done because they're, f- they're fearful that that person may not accept the apology. But when it comes to our relationship with God, he's waiting. He's waiting with that robe. He's waiting with the sandals and the ring. The fireworks are ready. He's just waiting for you to come back. So there should not be, the prayer should not stop us 
The love of sin should not stop us. And fear certainly should not stop us. Stop us. He's our loving Heavenly Father. He's waiting for us to come back and reclaim what is ours. Shame. Shame. There are many who will be so ashamed of what they have done, the lives they have lived, that they don't even want to talk about it. There are people who say to you, you have no idea of what I have done. You have no idea of the things the reprehensible, horrible things that I have done. I can't possibly begin to talk about that, not to talk about, you know, asking for forgiveness for that. It's, it's too much. But if you're thinking that way, it means you are misunderstanding the scope of God's love. You don't have any appreciation for the magnitude of love that he has for us. So much so that he allowed his only begotten son to go to the cross for you. So there's nothing to be ashamed of. If you have messed up like we all mess up, go back. The Lord is waiting for you. He's our Heavenly Father and He's waiting for us to come back. Sometimes we have too small a picture of God's love. He really does adore us and He wants to have a relationship with us. So if you're here today, I beg you, do not let pride or fear or shame or anything else stop you from coming back to the Father. I'm going to ask him to come forward, ask the prayer team to come forward as well. Sometimes when we are in church, I remember when I was a, a young Christian, when I first started, when there's an altar call, I am too ashamed to go up and, and ask for prayer. I feel like if I walked up there to ask for prayer, everybody would know that I'm a sinner. And God forbid that I would do it two, two weeks in a row or three weeks in a row. In my heart, I'm thinking, these people are thinking, well, you sinned last week and you had asked for prayer, you're sinning again. It doesn't matter. In the eyes of our Lord, he already knows these things. He already knows us. And what we think of you as a human being or what you think of me as a human being makes no difference. What matters is what my Heavenly Father thinks about me. That's all that matters. What my Heavenly Father thinks about me. So if you need prayer this morning, if you're in a situation where you're struggling to repent. If you're in a situation where there is somebody in your life that you need to go back to and say, I am sorry. Please don't leave this place without praying with somebody. Don't leave this place without praying with somebody. Our Heavenly Father has his arms stretched wide waiting for us to come back. There was one time when uh, my little girl, she's sitting up here, did something that I was very unhappy about. Yeah, please come forward and get ready for, uh, to pray for people. He did some, she did something I was not happy about, and, and, and I, I said, look, I'm disappointed. I'm not happy about this, and I went, uh, I went to work, and she called, and she left me a voice message. And she said, Daddy, I am sorry. I kept that, tech, that message for months. I couldn't delete it. I kept playing it 
Every time I played that message, it brought tears to my eyes. Because every time I prayed it, there was something that it touched in my heart. Every time I played it, the, the love that I have for my children poured out again. And that is the way it is with our Heavenly Father. Every time we say, Father, forgive me for I have sinned against you, it melts the heart of God. He welcomes us back with the open arms. So please, do not allow anything, anything to separate you from the love of God. And do not allow anything to stop you from always seeking forgiveness. We're going to pray and close out. If you need to leave, that's okay. But please, if you need prayer, come forward and receive prayer. Would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, we are very grateful to you this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this great parable that you gave to us that allowed us to have a glimpse, just a little glimpse of the love that you have for us. We can't even begin to quantify the love that you have for us. The love that made you go to the extent of allowing your son Jesus Christ, your only begotten son, to go to the cross and be nailed there, be humiliated for us. Thank you for always being there and welcoming us back. Thank you that there is no amount of messing up that we can do that you will not forgive. And thank you for everybody who has heard this word today. Father, we pray that this word will take root in our hearts, that it will turn things in our hearts, that it will change us, that it will challenge us, that it will bring us closer to you. And Father, we pray as we live today, may we not leave your presence, but we go with you. And we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.